Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing: there's, there's, it's not the only way to sell. But if, if, if you're struggling and you've tried other methods, you might want to take a look at this one because it really breaks it down into small, bite-sized, step-by-steps that you can go. Okay, I'm on step three and I keep failing. Why? I know step. I know step three is the right solution. So that means I'm either asking the wrong question or I'm asking it the wrong way. And then you can fix that and you go, okay, now I can move on to the next thing. And then you just start getting better and better. But next thing you know, you don't have time to make a hundred dials a day because you're engaging with so many, you're getting more prospects to speak to you with less dials. Your talk time's going up, your pipeline's starting to fill and, and, and you're happier. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Michael Padone. Michael's the founder of Sales Buzz, a training company that teaches sellers how to prospect and sell with confidence. And he's trained thousands of sellers how to successfully use cold outreach to engage with buyers. And in our conversation today, that's what we're talking about. Michael's specialty, cold outreach. We talk about why the tried and true methods still work. And Michael shares why he believes there is no modern or quote unquote new age way to get your prospect on the phone and qualify them to move forward. We dig into why he believes we need to redefine what success looks like for those in sales development and others on the front line of selling. We'll also dive into some tactics and talk about why sellers need to act with intent, which means being prepared with the questions you want to ask and understanding why you want to ask them. We also talk about some of the key metrics that sales development managers should really focus on. So we get into all this and much, much more. Before we get to Michael, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's jump into it. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, as we were saying before we, we started recording, we hadn't met before, and I was really surprised given we were running somewhat the same circles. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so a pleasure to find the meet. And... Thank you also for joining at such uh, we're telling people recording is it's late on a Friday afternoon on Labor Day weekend. And it's very nice of you to join me to do this. So uh, for people who aren't familiar with you, uh, tell us what you do. Um, I show sales teams how to overcome call reluctance. And, and, you know, if you just want to make it short and sweet, basically, most yeah. people, they struggle. They don't know what to say after hello, my name is. And uh, I have a, an online course that just breaks it down step by step. That'll give them the confidence they need where they can start making better calls right away. And what I like about, in, among other things, about what you do is, is, is you're, not, uh, you're not so focused on, hey, selling to tech sellers. I mean, you sell to a wide range of industries. It's every industry that's out there. I mean, that's just what people, a lot of times when they first come to me, they're like, well, what industry do you work in? I was like, listen, chances are I've, I've helped people in the industry. I have over 86 different industries from people that bought from me. They all get the same 86, training. okay. Like 86. It. Yeah, so when last time I ran a report, you know, of all the companies that bought, there was, you know, out of the thousands of them, there's about 80, it covers 86 different industries. They all got the same training. Nobody asked for their money back, so I'm assuming it's working. And, uh, you know, and why, why is that? Why does it work? It's because even though the problems that your solution solves might be unique to that individual, the way they buy and make decisions is the same across the board, no matter what it is. Yeah, they're human beings. Yes, and when you sell, I, I, always, I always say that selling is a lot like baseball. Every time you pick up the phone, you're in the batter's box. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody wants to hit a home run or hit a grand slam, but 
you you have to get to first base first. Like even if you hit a double in baseball, you can't run from you know the home plate across the pitchers on the second, right? You got to go to first base first, and then second. Right. Sales, sales is a lot like that, and when you break the steps down of the actual sales call uh, of of an objective based sales call, and you explain what each step is and what you have to do to get a green light before you move to the next step. All of a sudden, salespeople go, oh, I got it now. There's a game plan. I don't have to be a captain wing it. I don't have to have the gift of gab. I have to go, well, I have to accomplish this mini goal first. And once I do that, then I got to do something to get to the next goal and the next goal. And that's how I show them how to frame the sales call. And it just eliminates call reluctance. It increases sales engagement, gets more conversations going. And then they're picking up the phone more and they're having more conversations. And that's what I show them how to do. And it can work. It works in every industry. The, the steps are the same no matter what you sell. Yeah. It, well, I mean, you, one of the things that I know that you react <laughs> to, and I think somewhat the same way I do, is, is that, you know, people telling you, oh, Michael, you know, everything's different now. Hmm. <laughs> everything's changed. Nope. Um, and people are still people. Yeah. Well, when I, so here, let me, I was just at a conference, we were talking offline beforehand, where I was in a speaking engagement, I was at a conference, and I asked everybody, okay, so this is step one that you have to do, we all agree that, like, yes, I go, okay, what do you do next? What's the next step? And I'm in a huge room, and, you know, if I ask 10 people, if you ask the sales team, okay, what's the next step? You get 10 different answers, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what happened in there. It's like, everybody thinks we well, have to do this or you have to do this. Everybody had a different reason. Or they go, this depends. It depends on if it's this or so I go, nope. The next step is still the same. We can get into examples. So your listeners, sure. if we want. Yeah, no, yeah, give us an example. So, well, okay. So the first thing is this. So let's go to, let's go back to the batter's box. Because so, right. for those of you that are listening to this and they might go, yeah, no, I don't think it is the same. I think it's going to depend. Let me just break it down to this. First of all, there's two types of calls. There's first-time calls and follow-up calls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. First-time calls, first of all, a follow-up call is not, hey, I called them once, didn't get them, now I want to follow up with them. That I, I call that a first-time call number two, first-time right. call number three, okay? Right. The reason why I separate first-time calls and follow-up calls is the, the objectives are different. A follow-up call means I spoke to them, I didn't close them on the last thing, something had to happen in between, and now I have to have a different objective when I do a follow-up call, which mm-hmm. we can explain later if we have time. Right. But let's take a first-time call. Right. Whether And first of all, you have to understand, if the prospect is not raising their hand, then it's a cold call. I don't even, yep. I don't care. I don't care if it's a, an existing account, a client of yours, and you want to call and sell them something else. If they're not raising their hand, it's still cold because they weren't raising their hand. So let's Ab- just say we're- Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's such a, that's a critical point I think people don't think about because then they get lazy in their preparation because they service, mm-hmm. have this level of assumption going into yes. that call and yeah. that is deadly it is because then they're they're going to try to do the rapport building thing you know like hey how's it going right and, and that other person they don't have time for it. even if you do that um you're still off base now there's going to be some people that that works for mm-hmm. right that that's their primary business and they like that relationship type of thing and i'm listen if you're hitting quota you're you know you got commission checks falling out of your wallet don't change i'm okay with that right yeah, but if absolutely. you're if you're struggling what you're doing, you, it might be time for a change, right? So look at it this way. You're making a first-time call. I'm going to call it a cold call if they're not raising their hand. Mm-hmm. What's your, if I ask them, what's your objective? They're going to go, well, I want to make a sale or I want to set the appointment or I want to move it to the next step or I want to you know, do a demo. Mm-hmm. None of those answers are correct. Those might be eventually what you want to do. But be, the first thing you have to do is you, 
if within the first 15 seconds, you have to pique their interest. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah. So now you have an objective. First time call, step one, you have to pique their, their interest. If you can't pique their interest in the first 15 to 30 seconds of the call, nothing else matters. Because right. then if, if you don't pique their interest, you're going to get, no, thanks. And I said, we're all set, no budget, whatever. Right. You have to give them a reason to want to invest their time and attention in you. That's, that's right. And then when you see, we were talking again offline, we see these, what we would can maybe consider not the best sales advice where they give an opening like, hey, do you have 27 seconds to hear why I'm calling? I think that's a, I think that's a horrible way to pique interest because right. even if they say yes, okay, go ahead. What you just did as a sales rep is you just put yourself into a position to have to do a mini data dump. You just have 27 seconds to dump everything that you have just for them to go. Sounds good. Send me some information. Well, the reason um, I don't like that approach is is that the person now is looking at their watch. <laughs> could be that too. So. <laughs> So it's right. So, and again, so they're looking at their watch and, and all right, you're on the clock. Go, you just put yourself in a bad spot. Yes. Right. Yeah. In the game of chess, it might not be an entire, you know, there's different levels of mistakes, right. In chess, mm-hmm. if you play chess, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a blunder, but it's close, right. A blunder is like, you just expose your queen, right. And right. they've taken it for, you know, all right. I digress. I can get on that subject all day long. So let's go yeah, back. I know, to I know I've, I've heard some of your videos where you like to use chess as an example. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> When, you know, when it comes to making an outbound, your first time call, you got to peak interest first. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have a what's in it for them value statement. So, for example, let me give you a, a bad example of, of peaking. Let's say I'm calling a sales director. Mm-hmm. I did research. I built a list of sales directors. They meet my vertical. They meet my industry location, whatever. And I call them. And I go, hi, my name is Michael Pinot with Sales Buzz, and I provide sales training. You know, do you have a minute to hear why I'm calling, right? That's a bad opener. They're going to be like, no, thanks. No, I said we're all set. Right. We already have an internal sales training. But I could do that same call and go, uh, hi, my name is Michael Padone with salesbuzz.com. The reason for my call, I specialize in helping outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. Now, let me just stop right there. First of all, those pauses were by design because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I wanted it to sink in. When I go, so for the reason for my call is I help outbound sales teams. Now, it's a sales director. He manages yep. and oversees the sales team. Now he wants to know what does he help outbound sales teams do? And chances are they already have some type of internal training or they're paying somebody else some training. And as long as they still have a problem with their current solution that I solved, which was call reluctance, reluctance. they're going to want to hear what I have to say. Right. And you can take that type of formula. I don't care if you're selling logistics, SaaS, technology, right? Across the board, you take that same strategy, the words will change. I'm not saying you have one script for every industry. Mm-hmm. You have one. You have you have a playbook, but the words are different for every industry. Does that make sure. sense? Yep, absolutely. So once you pique their interest, I got a green light. I'm on first base, right? They go, yeah, sure. I got a second. Go ahead. They literally just gave me permission to ask them questions. Notice they didn't. I didn't put myself in a position to do a data dump. Mm-hmm. You know, they they just said, yeah, go ahead. I got a second, and now I can go. Okay, great. Now this is where I was at with the conference today. I go, okay, now. Guys, within 15 seconds, you pique their interest. What do you do next? And then you're getting all these different types of response. I'm like, none of that's correct. It's not the exact <laughs> question I'm asking you for. I'm going, what is the purpose of the next step? Right. And a lot of people don't know. And I go, well, let me tell you what it is. The next step is you want to ask what I call an engagement question. So step one, I have to pique interest. Step two, mm-hmm. actually, step one. 
step, my first step is has too many steps. Peek interest game permission. Right. Right. So I didn't do the game permission. Let me just do it real quick. So it would be like this. Let's say you're the sales director. Hey, Andy, it's Michael with salesbuzz.com. Uh, the reason for my call, I specialize in helping outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. And if, if I caught you at a good time, I'd like to ask you a few questions just to see if we have to offer might be of some help to you. Would that be okay? Mm-hmm. And I get like I get like 90% of the people who go, yeah, sure, I got a second. Go ahead. Right. Right? Because I'm, I got the right list. I got the right pain point. I say it the right way. I'm in the door my first base. I go, okay, great. So now we're done. I got to ask an engagement question. What does engagement question do? The engagement question's purpose is to put your prospect's attention in an area that you want them thinking about. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to build rapport, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's you know, a lot of times you, know, you got to build that rapport. Things that when I sell by phone, I don't have that. The rapport building will happen naturally. It's not yes. going to be a step. Right. So the next thing is I got to ask that engagement question. What does the engagement question do? It play, puts your prospect's attention in an area I want them thinking about. That's the objective of it. That's all I have to accomplish. So when they go, yeah, I got a second, I go, well, let me ask you this. I mean, uh, your sales team, I think I already know the answer, Andy, but are they handling inbound warm leads or are they doing outbound prospecting? Now, I don't care how they answer, but mm-hmm. look what that question does. For Again, we're giving my example of my industry, right? but it takes that, pros- that, that prospect's attention, puts it on their sales team, which is what I need them thinking about, and I give them a this or that, Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I usually hear it's the first, it's the second, it's a combination, or it's none of those, it's this. And guess what we're having? We're having a sales conversation Yep. within 30 seconds. And then I, ha- then I have another step after that, after the engagement question. So I have these little mini steps all along the way. And in every industry, the questions will change, but the steps are the same. And they're in a logical sequential order, so it keeps the conversation flowing. Well, and what you're doing as well too is, is as I said before, you're giving you're giving the buyer a reason to invest their time in you, yeah, right? With an expectation with an, with an expectation of getting a return on that time and investment of time and attention. Yeah. And to your point about rapport building, is is yeah, you're building that through how they're experiencing you, right? Because this is just the beginning. That's right. But you've you've got your foot in the door there because this initial experience is not clumsy it's tailored it's you know they have a good chance to make the decision whether it's worth their time or not Mm -hmm. and that starts the rapport building yeah absolutely and here's the thing there's there's it's not the only way to sell but if, if if you're struggling and you've tried other methods you might want to take a look at this one because it really breaks it down into small bite size step by steps that you can go Okay, I'm on step three and I keep failing. Why? Mm-hmm. I know step I know step three is the right solution. So that means I'm either asking the wrong question or I'm asking it the wrong way. Right. And then you can fix that and you go, okay, now I can move on to the next thing. And then you just start getting better and better. But next thing you know, you don't have time to make a hundred dials a day because you're engaging with so many you're getting more prospects to speak to you with less dials, your talk time's going up, your pipeline's starting to fill, and 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 you're happier. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the points I wanted to bring up is, is that there's no reason to be so slavishly uh, committed to this idea that, you know, we can make 50 calls a day, dials a day or 100 dials a day or whatever that you see in so many organizations. And they just want everybody to do the same thing as opposed to, hey, look at Michael. Michael's, Michael's crushing it with 20 dials a day. I, I, I am a big believer. Uh, so I, I do have a metric on that. 
and I've said this uh, for a lot, and so because somebody that took me under their wing when I was early in my career taught me this, and it proved huge dividends. So he said, have a goal every day to have at least $60 a day and or three hours of talk time. He goes, Padone, give me three hours of talk time. I don't care what you do with the other five hours of the day. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. I was like, okay. But he said 60 or three hours because there's going to be some days you're going to do 60 dials and you sure. just don't get a hold of anybody. You're not going to hold of anybody. That's fine. Yeah. You got, you got 45 minutes of talk time. You're just getting a hold of anybody. There's going to be other days you did 18 dials, but you got four hours of talk time, but it all averages out. But yes. if the problem is, is when somebody does 20 dials a day and they have 59 minutes of talk time, what did you do all day? Mm hmm. You know, well, like, well, I was researching. Well, then your time management skills need 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 some improvement. You know, you right. can't be researching during calling time. The research right. should be done before it's calling time. You know, so you got to learn some time management blocking. I digress. No, 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 that, that <coughs> not all. I mean, so getting back to sort of what got us down this this particular um, path was this idea that somehow, you know, what you're doing and what you're teaching uh you know, it's different than it would have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago that, that somehow people are different or the situation's different. And, and in this case, I just don't think that's, that's true. It's, it's not. So what, what's different is whatever they were, they found a way to survive and maybe even thrive with the way they were doing it. The industries, you know, might've changed a little bit with the dynamics and their formula no longer works, so they go, things have changed. But I think that's because they were using – they weren't using a solid strategy to begin with. Right. When it comes to their selling, they just found a way to make it work. They had inbound leads maybe. Uh, it was low-hanging fruit. And they didn't have to be that great. Uh, they didn't have to check all the boxes on, on, the, sale, uh, on the standard sales call. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean – how, how many people get a, a hand raiser today and they don't even qualify? They just go right to the demo. I mean, it's insane. And then they find out after the demo, they're not even speaking to a decision maker. They couldn't even afford it. It was an intern. You, you know what right. I mean? So it's just all the things, right? Exactly. So I think if everybody went back to basics, I'm talking like Wolf of Wall Street phone room basics, which is the era I grew up in. You, you know, I've been selling by phone for a long time. You know, so I'm talking about if you get back to that, you know, how to sell by phone, you have to be really good at checking the boxes it wasn't just about the gift of gab it was like okay we have to do stage one stage two stage three and once you learn how to do that now it's just now it's just the volume and when you get better at it you don't have time to make 60 to 100 dollars a day because you're 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 getting too many conversations going and and then like i said you fill the pipeline uh you're making more money and everybody's happier yeah and then it, when you do that is you make this a better job for people yeah. Right. I mean, when people have these skills, instead of you know SDRs being, I like to call, uh, used as cannon fodder, uh, just to be thrown up there and make these you know hundreds of dials, is you start experiencing success in what you're doing, and the success builds confidence, and this confidence enables you to, yeah, do it in a way that becomes enjoyable, that's aligned with with your skills and your strengths, which we talked about is not going to be the same as everybody else doing this, but. Yeah, that's okay. But but look what you just said, though. So they have the skills and the confidence. But again, if they just happen to get in that niche, in that lane where every all the, all the stars were aligned, right? They had the right type of leads coming in. The industry was good. The economy was good, whatever. And they're just crushing it. 
you know, when they go, well, things change because their numbers are down, chances are the only thing that needs to, yes, okay, so something in their food chain, something disrupted their food chain, mm. right? Um, they need to learn how to hunt better. They need to know how to, you know, instead of um, just waiting for that food to come and drop into their bucket, they got to learn how to go out there and get it now. And right. I think, I think so. So when somebody says, yeah, things change, yeah, probably your food chains, your food supply chain might have might have changed a little bit in your industry whatever as far as that goes but not the way people buy you just need to sharpen your sales skills now and get back on the phone and don't be afraid of it and forget about cold emailing it's just a, it's it's ridiculous i mean well it's interesting i just i just somebody this week i forget who it was <laughs> i was having a conversation earlier this week uh, too many of these conversations and some some big really big company i want to say one of the major consulting firms, but I could be wrong about that. But some big company just announced internally that their, their sellers can no longer use email sequences. No shit. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that here? That's <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, well, that was an authentic exclamation. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but think That's about awesome. that. Isn't That's that awesome? Yeah, I mean, so, so there was a time, there was a small window that the email sequences were working, Right. Um, you know, years back, but then it just got overpopulated. And now it was too, because there was a time when it was really rude to not respond to an email when somebody sent you, whether it was a sales rep or something. Right. And I think, I think that had a lot to do with it. Why, like, um, you, you know, Hey, I got to see him. Let me just respond. Hey, I'm not a good fit or yeah, let's schedule a call or whatever. Right. And, right. and then, and then what ended up happening was, is, you know, it just got overplayed and now there's this thing called ghosting. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, so like it, it's carrying over. I think it's just I think now they realize um, I'm about to get 10 more of these from this guy. I'm just going to keep ignoring it. Right. No, um, yeah. Well, so, no, so, so, migrated to LinkedIn as well. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. So I, I, I will share this. I actually got a cold call the other day and I, I, I hardly get them ever. It's been like more than a year since somebody cold called me, meaning somebody as an inbound, like prospecting me. They yeah. called me out in the blue. And I took a minute to, to hear what they had to say. And then I also said, you know what? I appreciate you calling. I'm not a candidate. I'm not a prospect for you. Here's why. And I don't see why we, so I would mark myself as disqualified on your, and, but I appreciate the call. And he was like, man, thank you for not blasting me. You, you know, I thank you for taking the time to, you know, I'm like, well, listen, I mean, you know, I, I, I could fix what you said a little bit that would, would have helped you, right? Because first of all, yeah. I didn't do any research on who I was, right? right? But, uh, which was a first mistake. But by that, but either way, if you're going to come and offer me something. But with that being said, I still didn't need it. But what I posted on LinkedIn after I told people about that experience, I go, I says, guys, that was a successful cold call for this person. Your job as a sales rep is not to close every lead you contact. Your job is to close as many qualified prospects as fast as possible. And Yes, I, I pre-qualified as a suspect. There was a reason why I was a suspect and made it onto that list. Something has changed, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm no longer a qualified prospect for what they offer. But that sales rep should feel like, okay, good. Mark them off my list permanently now or put in drip marketing, whatever, and move on. There's nothing to feel wrong with that. And that's, I think salespeople need to get back to that. They're, you're not going to hit a thousand, you know, you're not going right. to close every person you get a hold of. Right. But the only thing about that call that you mentioned, though, is that the seller hadn't done any research. Yeah. Yeah. He sh there were some things that they could have done better. We all could. Right. I mean, 
But there, there's a lot of people, no matter how long you've been doing this, you could do a little better. But that's a basic 101. He should have, before he called me, he should have known I what I did. The highlighted one, at least on the calls I receive or the, the cold outreach I receive, was mostly email and, and uh, yeah. LinkedIn base. I was just yeah. excited to get a cold call. Well, yeah, I, I think they all got blocked on my phone by my spam blocker. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, certainly no shortage coming in via email and, and LinkedIn. Yeah. But, you know, I got one today from somebody that, you know, this you know, just drives me nuts is, is a pitch to be a guest on my podcast, on this podcast. And starts off by saying, ah, oh, been listening to a lot of your show. And he gives, first of all, you can tell from the beginning, it's, yeah, it's automated, but he inserts the name of my original name, my podcast, which it hasn't been for two and a half years. Yeah. So first of all, someone claiming they're listening to that show, you know, is just not right off the bat. And, but again, nonetheless, I knew it was, it was automated, but it was just like, oh man, just take, take two seconds and just do a little research. I mean, who knows? I I might've read the rest of the message. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. So, it, but it's, everybody's looking for a quick, easy way. And I think the new SDRs, the ones that are coming in, you know, they, they would make more money going old school and maybe their companies don't allow them to it, but, um, well, but we talked about this. There's this mythology about, you know, what technically what old school was. And you know, I saw something a couple weeks ago on LinkedIn that just drives me crazy as somebody was saying, Oh, you know, things are so different. You know, this isn't like the eighties and nineties where, you know, it's all steak dinners and martinis. And I'm like, Dude, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> what what the hell are you talking about? I mean, there's this mythology about, you know, when it comes to cold calling, which is, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, prospects had nothing to do all day. They were sitting by the phone and answering their phone all the time. And it was easy to get a hold of them. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> it's like, A, people have always been busy. P, yeah, a lot of people I was calling on on C-level yep. had admins. You know, they had screeners. Yes. Yes. And yep. yeah, you ever had an admin tear up the message that they said they were going to send the boss? I mean, it happened. I mean, sometimes it happened in front of me. Sometimes when I was cold calling in person. I could hear him tearing it up as I walked away. Um, it wasn't. Yes, you had to make. I'm not sure it's any harder today than it ever was. And it's still hard to get hold of people. But sure. But, but you have to realize, too, when somebody goes, well, it's harder today than it was. And I think I posted something like this because somebody was saying it was harder today than it's ever been. I'm like, really? Compared to what? Because when I got in the phone sale or when I got in the sales, it was there's a phone book. There's a phone. Go call. I didn't have LinkedIn to research. I didn't have email. Oh, yeah. I didn't have the web. To, 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 I didn't have a website to go to to see about them or anything. I didn't I didn't have you know tools that could run a report and send me all the leads in a certain location uh, that match certain criteria or tech stacks, right? So I'm like, what are you talking about? It's well, harder today. I mean, yeah. Me I mean, at that, at that time, there weren't even direct inward dialing. Yes. <laughs> no, no one had, everything went through a switchboard. So, that's right. Um, yeah, that's, I know. It's just hard. That's what I tell people. It, it, stop making comparison. It was. It's hard then. It's hard now. It's hard. It's hard work. You just um, got to get better. You just got to get better at it. Yeah. To your point, it's, and I have a, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Ralph Waldo Emerson is, you know, all life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. There you go. And that's how you get better at things. So one question I want to ask is because, you know, you do work a lot outside of tech and a lot of tech in this audience, people listening. But 
what are the things you see that that non-tech companies are doing that tech companies could learn from? Because there's always sort of this this bias that oh, we're in tech sales, we're way more advanced than you know, other yeah. industries and the way we do it. And I was just really curious since you you do so much work outside of tech and tech as well, but what could, what could flow the other direction? Yeah, I mean, so just so, so when I run those reports. Like computer software, IT tech, you know, they're my number one for sure, by far. Sure. Right. So, but then, then, then everything starts to like, you know, marketing and advertising, transportation, logistics, all scales down. Right. right? Um, but with that being said, like, I, I think it's the same either way. I mean, sure, you might have different scenarios where you have a longer sales cycle, you have bigger dollars, you know, things of that nature, but the steps are the same. I mean, 3M is my largest. I train every single sales rep that, that's in uh, 3M. In, mm-hmm. in every country, because my course is in 12 different languages for them. I actually right. paid to have it in all these different languages. So, and, and they're selling millions of dollars, long sales cycles, new business and, and, and repeat business, right? right? The sales process is the same for them as it is if I have a team, I have a company that comes to me, and no matter what industry they're in, and they have a shorter sales cycle, lower cost, and they only have five reps. They get the same training. Mm-hmm. One pays more, right, based on per head, sure. but, it's, but it's the same training. And I just think... Uh, I, yes, I'm sure there are some things that are, might be out there. Uh, if you want to call it maybe like advanced for certain industries, I'm like, great, let somebody else teach you that. But before you learn to, to run, you need to learn how to walk. And most people, they, whether they realize or not, they don't know how to walk in sales. And let me just teach you the basics and then go back to basics. If you master the basics, you're going to make a lot more money. You're going to rise quickly. Yep. and earn more money. And then if you need to learn something else, fine. I had somebody come to me and says, well, I think we're looking for something a little bit more advanced. And I'm like, okay, so let me ask you, maybe you are, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Let me ask you a question. Your, your, your team though, are they, are they, are they at or above quota? Be honest with me now. You know, are they, he goes, no, I go, well then they don't need advanced sales. Training. Well, they've been selling for a while. Okay. <laughs> sales time in sales doesn't equal experience. You could right. be selling for 20 years and not know what the hell you're doing. Yep. And you just survived, right? So I go, so I think for me, advanced sell- selling is when you're at like a peak level and you want to tune it to get to that next little bump mm-hmm. where like you're that unicorn. I think that's where advanced sales train because if you're not there yet, then chances are the only way you get there is you have to know the basics and do them well and you'll quickly rise and then go off and do something like that. Well, uh, I, totally I say you can't learn the basics too often, right? Is I think no matter what stage of your career in, uh, it's always good to get a refresher course in the basics. Yeah. And I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this when they listen to how I broke down the opening value statement. They've been selling for five, 10 years. And they go, sure. I never thought of it that way. And now I was like, okay, so now I have a little bit of a different game plan. I right. execute. Next thing you know, they're setting more appointments. Yep. They're getting deeper into the call. Well, and but that's, that's, that's the whole point about learning in sales is, is I, I believe it's, you're learning new perspectives. That's really yeah. what you want. A different perspective, right? Yes, yeah. you've been doing this for a long time, but you can always learn something new. Somebody's got a new perspective out there, a new point of view that could potentially help you. So yeah, open your ears, try something, read a book, listen to a podcast, watch videos, uh, subscribe to Michael's Tuesday tip newsletter, um, and then yeah, put it into use. Yeah. I, but, you know, it's the people that do that, though, is the ones that really make the most. I've, every successful person was willing to invest in themselves. I've never met somebody that 
has reached the level of success that I'm after, right? And I'm trying to shoot for, and they got there just by falling into it. They didn't invest themselves or whatever in business. You know, they, you have to be willing. If you're in sales, you're, you're, you're basically, um, an entrepreneur in training, like you're in business for yeah. yourself if you're in sales. Absolutely. And, and when you, when you go to that mindset, like some people say, like, I go, well, do you have sales navigator for LinkedIn or whatever? Right. And like, no, I don't want to pay my company. Won't pay for it. I'm like, What's stopping you from paying for it yourself? Right. I can't do that. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, if you were own your own business, well, there's risk. What if I don't get an ROI? I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, it works well enough for everybody else where it's a pretty safe bet if you use it right. right. But what if you have to lose? You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you just got to get past that mentality. Um, well, unfortunately, it's fairly pervasive. Is, yeah. is in this, yeah, this thing you talked about, which it doesn't get you know, being in charge of your own business, it, it was very explicit. When I started in sales, the people who hired me into the company I went to, which was a massive company, were saying, look, you're the CEO of your own territory. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that makes sales fun, right? You're the CEO yeah. of this little business. You know, you take ownership. How do you want to make it happen? We'll support you. Um, yeah, you don't hear that said as often to sellers where they feel that same sense of, of ownership about their patch, whether it's you know, a list of accounts or it's geographic or whatever business they're in. Um, but you have to have that attitude uh, to you your do. point. Otherwise, otherwise you won't invest. You'll think it's somebody else's job to invest in you when it's really, it's your job to invest in you because, yeah. you know, you can say, well, I expect the company to invest in me, but it's like, okay, but you're not, you're not going to stay there 10 or 20 years. You're going to stay there two years. Right. I think yeah. in sales, I saw a, a figure recently by the time as average salesperson on average, when they reach age 48, they've had 12 jobs. So, yeah, you wonder why the company's not going crazy to invest in you. It's because, you know, we've reached a sort of Mexican standoff <laughs> where the, the, uh, you know, the employees, sellers don't want to invest in themselves because I think the company should do it. But the company's not doing it because I think we invest in you and you're going to leave. Yeah, well, so there's two things. One, um, the majority of my business comes from companies. So when I tell people they should sure. invest, I don't want them to think I'm like trying to like self-promote because – uh, I would go broke if I had to sell strictly to individual sales reps. It's it's so much harder to sell to it. In my, for my opinion, for something I'm offering, uh, right. to to sell to an individual is ten times harder to get a grand out of somebody than it is for me to get a hundred grand out of a. Uh, it's easier for me to get a hundred grand out of a company because they know right. the value, right. right? So with that being said, or ten grand or five grand, depending on the size of their company, right? So so the point is is that um, I'm more offering advice for sales reps that are listening to this that are individuals. Is look if you first of all if you have if you're working for a company that won't invest in you, what you know and you know with resources that you need, then give it your all, but keep looking, right? Yeah. So I'm not the, I'm not about this quiet resignation thing where they do the bare minimum. I said, listen, while you're there, do everything you can to be successful, learn everything you can, but don't get don't be that frog in the in the slow boiling water, you know. Right. If you know that if you know that story, right? Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. So, but with that being said, though, too, so, but invest, don't be afraid to invest in yourself because you'll get an ROI. I mean, well, you're investing for your career. Your yes, career is not exactly. tied to that company. You're investing, it's That's just right. like building your network. You're, when you're building your network, you're building, it's an asset you're building for your career, not for this company that you're at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the whole quiet quitting thing, I mean, to me, yeah, been in sales and been in business as long as I've been as, I don't know. I read about it. It's like, oh yeah, 
most of the people you work with had done that, right? They've been uh, quiet quitting for 20 years at the same place. At the same place or from place to place. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, I don't think it's a, necessarily a new phenomenon. I think it's, it's maybe people being more open about it, but nonetheless. So, yeah. well, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. Do you play guitar? I'm, Behind, seeing behind, if you're listening on the audio, seeing behind Michael, so we're looking at each other. He's got several guitars mounted yeah. on the wall. Yes, do you play? Yeah, I'm an 80, I'm a bonafide '80s metal shredder. So oh. So yes, I uh, when I grew up, I wanted to be a rock star, and actually, right before I met my wife, um, I was waiting to hear back from Ozzy when he was looking for a new guitar player. Whoa. So, yeah. So um, I haven't played a lot in in a long time, uh, but uh, it was my it was my original passion, what I wanted to do. Uh, for sure. And uh, have you bitten the head off a chicken? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Um, Ozzy born joke for people <laughs> maybe too young to appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, they probably don't know it, but at least you and I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, no, I do love all types of music, um, but, uh, you know, you know, uh, 80s hard rock stuff yeah. is just, you know, four on the floor, let's go. That's, that's what I love. Yeah. Fifty-one fifty. Here go. we go. Here we go. It's all right, <laughs> Michael. Been a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to doing it again. If people want to be able to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, salesbuzz.com or LinkedIn. Of course, just look me up on LinkedIn. Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, friends. That's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Michael Bedone, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that, and thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.